The text of the sermon this day is taken from the reading from Romans, which you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always See, I read that, 
Because today's passage out of First Corinthians of Romans, Paul again addresses the issue of love. He says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Have you ever noticed in our prayers when we get to the, when we pray about a wedding anniversary or a birthday, we often say we rejoice with those who rejoice. We rejoice with such and such as they celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary or whatever. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will eat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Then we jump forward to chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, these words. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I know I just write quite a bit. But that is a command from Paul. That you are to love, love, what is love? You heard in 1 Corinthians. It's patient, it's kind. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And that love is not to just be applied to your close friends or your family members, but even to your enemies. Even to the one who persecutes you. And remember, when Paul is writing to this in the church in Rome, they knew exactly what that meant to be persecuted. At that time, Nero was in charge. Emperor Nero was tyrannical. He had killed many Christians. He blamed them for the burning of the city of Rome, which is why, which actually, the passage I did not read in 13. It's really surprising. He says, obey Caesar. He's talking about Nero, the one who was lighting the streets of Rome with the burning bodies of Christians. He said to obey, submit to him. 
crazy. But the thing is, he's telling you those soldiers who are persecuting you, who are seeking your death, you are to love them. That does not mean you're supposed to renounce your faith. But you do, he does actually command them to submit unto their judgment. Just as Jesus did. In, Paul, in the Gospel of Luke, there's an account where a man, a teacher of the law, comes to Jesus. And he asks the question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus told him, you know the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The teacher of the law wanted to justify himself and said, well, who's my neighbor? To which Jesus told a story that many of you are possibly familiar with. And that, as he said, tells a story of this man who was walking between Jericho and Jerusalem, and he was beaten and left on the side of the road. And as he was lying there bleeding and dying, a priest walks by. He sees him, and he does nothing. He goes on the other side of the road and does not help The Levite passes by, sees the man, and again, he does nothing. But then comes the Samaritan. The Samaritan was the cultural enemy of the Jew. In terms of racism in the first century, the racial issues, some of them were actually bothered racial issues. But one of the big ones was between Samaritans and Jews. Samaritans were mud, their blood was muddy, so they would say. Because they were, even though they had Jewish blood, it was muddied by these other cultures. And so this is why Samaritans were hated by Jews, and it ended up being reciprocated. Which is why it is so surprising that Jesus says that this cultural enemy, the Samaritan, stops to help this man beat on the side of the road. And so he bandages him up, he takes him to an inn, and he leaves an extravagant amount of money in order to make sure that the man is cared for. And if there's any more need, you come and pay the rest. And then Jesus says, which man, and this is your, this was the man's neighbor, he says, the Samaritan. Now go and do likewise. Love of your enemy. Love of everyone. And if you really think about that, being patient, being kind, not self-seeking, not keeping record of wrongs, can you, can you realize how difficult that is? To not keep record of wrongs of your enemy? And I'm not, I mean, not even, not even talking about the people, maybe some of this physically threatening you. We're just talking about that person who lives down the street that you just do not see eye to eye. No matter what, you just don't get along. You are not supposed to keep record of the wrongs they've done to you. You are not to be self-seeking. 
You're supposed to be patient, calm, gentle. Even with those ones that don't think like don't look like See, as you think of that command, by the way, the reason when Jesus told this to the teacher of the law, he knew he was condemned just by mentioning the Samaritans, because he knew, he knows that they are not loving the Samaritans. But the reality is, is all of us are failing to some degree. Notice what Paul said, he says, let no, owe nothing to anyone except for the continuing death of the law. So that's the only thing you ever to owe someone is love for them. So there's never a point where you say, well, I love that person just fine. I owe, I love them enough. No, you never do love a person enough. Because the love that you were supposed to have is the Greek word there is agape, a sacrificial love. And by the way, the only person that is the only human being that has ever had an agape love full is Jesus. And he's also God. None of us keeps, reaches the level of love we're supposed to have. Not even for our own family members. And yet that's the command. So those words that Jesus says the words that Paul writes are condemned. And so that familiar parable, the Good Samaritan, on the surface is telling you what is God's demand. Love your neighbor as yourself, and that includes your enemies. And the reality is, is that everyone who hears those words is convicted. But the other level is, is that it is a parable. And the parable, who is, who do the people that left the man on the side of the road, who does that represent? It represents sin, death, and the devil. Who is the man on the side of the road? You are the man on the side of the road. You are the one who was beaten and left for dead by sin, death, and the devil. He is the one, that is the reason why that you are in, you do not love as you ought. And by the way, the teacher of the law, the priest, the Levite, you know why they didn't stop to help the man? Because if they did, they would be considered ceremonially unclean. If they stopped and helped him, they could not participate in the sacrifice. They could not enter into the temple. See, the reason they could, that numbers, they could not do it. Similarly, the law cannot save you. If the law saves you, then it is the law is corrupted. It is broken, and it's no longer the law. It cannot save you. All the law does is condemn you. The primary thing it does is shows your only one that can stop and help them, help you, is not the good Samaritan, but the good chef. 
He alone was the one who could pay that price. He was the man who was, he is God, he is man. He was to be a Jewish blood, but ultimately he's an outsider on account of the fact that he is very God and very God. He stopped to help you. He stopped to bandage you up in the waters of baptism by the power of his death on the cross, an extraordinary expense of his very blood, his very body. He purchased you. And he brought you to the end of the church. And there there are innkeepers, many different innkeepers, like any hotel that shifts. And so, pastor after pastor, whatever, the pastor is given the task. Not that he does with his own authority, not with his own money, his own treasures, but with the treasures of the good shepherd. He gives the gifts again and again. The word. The sacrament. As you see those wounds, they keep festering. They're still healed. The, the, the effects of the attacks of the devil, the effects of sin, are still festering. We still want to give into it, even though we have been claimed and we brought to salvation. We're not in the ditch. We are now in the presence of God's people. And so, we are, we naturally, we should be called to love the way we're supposed to. But like I said, the festering wound of sin leads us to not live as we are called. And so that's why he brings us that medicine of word, the medicine of his supper, by which He's constantly healing and strengthening for the day that he will return. And by the way, note in, in the parable, he says he'll pay for whatever is not, you know, whatever extra expense. In other words, there is never a point that you will be so far gone that you'll stop forgiving, that you'll stop bringing healing. No matter how often we fail at that command to love our neighbor as ourselves, and even to a greater extent, love our God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. No matter how often you do that, he will never say, I ran out of medicine, sorry. He will keep giving, keep healing. The pastor, and by the way, this is why pastors wear vestments. This is why we don't wear our everyday clothes. It's because it's not about us. The green, Green? Because I'm part of the furniture. That's what I'm saying. I'm furniture. With a task. I'm the mouthpiece to speak God's word. You're the mouthpiece to say, This is the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And we are the instrument by which God gives you healing, strength. And so, the message still is to us. Go do likewise. See, we don't love our neighbor, as Paul has said in 1 Corinthians 13, or in Romans. We don't do it so that God will be pleased with us. We don't do, we don't love someone. 
love and honor as God loved and honored the person of Jesus. We do it not so because so that God would be appreciative of us. We do it because He first loved us. And so we go to likewise and lead others to a great position to which they receive healing. Jesus' name. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you the one true faith, the life everlasting. At this time, we continue with the hymn. We praise you and acknowledge you. Please stay.